guys welcome back so it's pretty late but um yeah let's talk about 1001 um i actually got a visit today um i know the show's supposed to start at 10 30 but i just wanted to say i got a really interesting person who stopped by today and said that they were loving um my podcast and i was like the first one that i posted was the wrong one <laughs> so um Shout out to, what was his name? Guys, I'm awful with names. It's nothing personal. Mm, here we go. Micah. Shout out to Micah. Thank you for um, stopping by my Certified Network Defender class and showing some love. Um, so, yeah, um, just kind of getting all of this wrapped up right now so that we can chat. I hope this isn't too loud. Um, so, right, just to give you a little bit of background about me, uh, my name is Mary. Um, I'm an IT student right now. Uh, I switched careers about six weeks ago. <laughs> so, yeah, I am learning as much as possible. <laughs> um, I uh, Right now, currently, I am taking Certified Network Defender. I have sat for 1001, 1002, um, and uh, Network and Security Plus. Uh, my last class will be Certified Ethical Hacker next week, and then hopefully enrolling into the PMP program. Um, yeah, so this is just a way that I study. I just kind of talk about uh, <laughs> some stuff that I might not understand, and I run through some of the questions that are on the test. So. This is kind of an impromptu meeting, so here we go. <laughs> um, we still have some time on the clock, so I'm gonna give you guys some good information while we're here. So I don't know if anybody knows, but LeaderQuest is kind of that is the um, company that I'm going through for schooling. They're wonderful, and they really give a lot of uh, great information. Um, one of the things that they do is before, if you have no IT experience, do not get upset. Um, you can be taught uh, anything. Just always knew that. And um, they start off with some boost your A plus 1001 knowledge videos. These are a great way to start your journey before you start the class. And I really recommend um, looking at the Professor Messer uh, videos. Uh, you have like uh, our last podcast um, said, you know, which section of the test that you were going to need to study, um, what percentage of questions would be on the test. So um, the videos on Professor Messer's website for the 1001 is a great resource. Um, so actually, this is my first live episode, so <laughs> um, it's kind of weird. I'm trying to get used to it. Um, yeah, so we got a couple more minutes. And I'm gonna drink my Izzy right now. I hope I'm not too loud. Can you hear me pretty good? Okay, so it's been a very long day, but I did hack the box thanks to uh, my professor's help. Um, I got the, um, the cube. I don't know if you have a hack the box or not, but it's a great way to kind of play around and get frustrated with trying to uh, figure out puzzles. <laughs> That's the best way I can put it. Oh, and another thing, I did suffer the ITIL foundation class, yeah. 
Actually, someone just reminded me of that. Uh, thanks for mention mentioning that. Um, yes, the ITIL Foundation um, is terrific. And I cannot tell you enough how wonderful Mr. John was. Um, he is a great instructor with a wealth of knowledge. And um, yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely take that class. Uh, it's just a great framework for um, management of IT. It is wonderful. <laughs> there's a lot of people who like it, and then there's a lot of people who don't like it. But either way, it's good to know, it's good to have. Um, so I'm just still getting all of my stuff together. Okay, and it looks like we have some more people jumping on. Hi guys, thanks for joining me tonight for a little studying. And I hope your day is going so good. Oh, it's so crazy today. Wednesday. This coronavirus is crazy. It's everywhere. I've read that the NBA was canceling its games. Oh, I just don't know, guys. But flights are so cheap right now. <laughs> okay. Anyways, just some other things to kind of look into. Like I said, Professor Messer. So one of the ways that I study is I pull up my objectives from Professor Messer on one screen, which shout out to Connor. He taught me this. Um, I pull up my notes on one screen, the objectives. Um, let me go into my courses. And then I kind of look up what I don't know. Um, CompTIAexam.com is a great place to study. I feel like a lot of the questions that are on there are on the test, almost verbatim. So we'll do a couple of those. It is CompTIAexamTest.com. And we're going to click on 1001, study live for free, because we don't want to pay $9.99. <laughs> All right. I have a really good pop-up blocker. Good job, Mary. <laughs> so, yeah. Okay. Just going to run through some of this. So 1001 is really, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Um, that whole class I spent taking probably, I took apart six computers. So it was kind of, it was fun to get in there and, you know, mess things up and have to put it back. It's, it's not so much fun having to go in there and take things out, but it is a lot of fun learning how to um, put it back together. Uh, if you took a picture, always take a picture. Always make sure you take out the battery first. Um, let's see. No, that's the assessment. So, I keep automatically going back into my certified network. <laughs> ah, here we go. Mm -hmm. For everybody just joining, I'm just doing a little study group for this 1001. Um, shout out to Micah. Don't stop. Keep going. You can do it. Um, yeah, if I can do it, anybody can do it. <laughs> so anyways, all right. So I'm on the CompTIA website. Um, CompTIA has a really great um, platform. Hang on, let me type my password. Okay. I have just one too many pop-up browser. I have too many browsers open right now. Okay. Forgot password. No, I didn't forget my password. I'm good. Okay. Looks like we have a bunch of people jumping on. Hey guys. 
Um, okay, so we had our lessons. Okay, so um, this CompTIA um, website, I am on the Security Plus. That is not where we're at right now. We need to go back to the 1001. <laughs> Just give it a second to populate. Okay. So actually for this course, my teacher was um, Mr. Fad, and he was really terrific. Um, very, very smart and uh, yeah, great experience there. Uh, you guys should definitely take him if you get the chance. Yeah, thanks for asking that. Okay, here we go. So we got installing and configuring PC components and it says use as they, you know, using your appropriate safety procedures, your PC components. Like I said, it's, it's really like putting your hands in it and on it, you know, there's a lot of moving parts here. There's a lot of um, information in 1001 and I really feel like you need to take the time to kind of absorb it and get comfortable with it, but only study what you need. That's why those objectives that I told you about um, Professor Messer's objectives, which I'm actually going to, it's Professor Messer's course notes. Yeah. I feel like that's the most accurate, but that's just my personal opinion. And, uh, yeah, so I'm going to post that link for you here. So, yeah. Boom. I did it. Will that work for you? Oh, wait, <laughs> that might not work for you. Hang on. Let me take out the back. Oh yeah. You know, I don't know if that's going to work. Uh, let me know. <laughs> All right. Um, also, another thing is do your virtual labs. Uh, the labs, well, there's no virtual labs for 1001. So if you're going through a part, if you're studying online, um, I would definitely uh, try to find, you know, computers around you to kind of play with or work on or fix your own or, you know, I took apart one of my very old computers that I really, <laughs> I did a number on it. It doesn't work anymore. So be careful. <laughs> um, I was going to replace some other board. Long story short, no. So we got our objective. I got my objectives pulled up, and that's pretty much showing me what to study. So um, I feel like this cuts out a lot of the, the fluff that you don't need. So we're just going to start going over it. So we got the laptop hardware, you know, your laptop storage. You got your solid state drive, um, all memory, no moving parts, silent, fast access time, less latency, 2.5 inch and 1.8 inch form factors. Then we have the hybrid drive, SSHD, solid state hybrid drive, uh, flash memory and hard drive storage. SSD catches the hard drive data. You got your magnetic disk, traditional spinning drive platters. Uh, replacing laptop storage can be very modular. Two screws at the and the drive slides out, all internal, open a cover on the back, open the entire laptop. <laughs> so my recommendation for this is First, take out the battery. Um, after you take out the battery, uh, make sure Okay, sorry guys, I got disconnected for a second. Hold on. Okay, I'm back here. All right, I'm back. <laughs> okay, so um, one of the things that I take a picture, make sure you always take the battery out first. Make sure you're always wearing your correct ESD. Um, make sure that you're fully prepared when you come to the job. So that was something that was really stressed. You know, um, an IT person is only as good as their tools. 
So make sure that you're fully equipped to take on the job. Make sure that you understand before you actually do it. And make sure <laughs> there's actually one instance and I'm just gonna use it. I'm not gonna say any names, <laughs> but during class, um, one of my friends actually took out the battery, but we had it plugged into the wall and they had it still plugged in the wall while we were taking off the back of it. Guys, just really watch out there. You can get shocked and it will hurt. And I don't want that to happen to you. So yeah, um, take a picture before you do it. Uh, that was a lot of what we did. Um, me and Jack and Melissa in class, we really worked together as a team to tackle this really big tower that was having a lot of problems. Uh, we didn't, we were doing IT work for free, but it would have been like a $300 job, we felt like. <laughs> Anyways, uh, just to continue, we got the laptop memory. Um, SODIMM is a small outline dual inline memory module. A micro DIMM is a micro dual inline memory module. Um, then we have the memory used in laptops and mobile devices. We got the smart card reader. That's our integrated card reader built into the laptop. External reader, USB connected. You got your optical drive, too large for today's portable devices, becoming difficult to find, often removable, replaces with other media. Wow, this talking is so much harder than I thought it was. Shout out to the people who talk for a living. Wow. Okay. Um, uh, I also, just to give you a little help, I get super nervous about public speaking. Shout out to all my friends who are noticing this right now. Thanks for the love. Um, so <laughs> this smart card reader is an integrated card reader. It's built into the laptop. The external reader is your USB connected. Your optical drive too large is the, the one that's too large for the portable devices. Um, and they're really phase them out. So, uh, but you need to know about them a little bit. Often removable, replaced with other media, read and write CDRW slash CDROM and DVDRW and DVDROM. So then we're gonna go right into video cards. Um, and the thing that I like to do is I pull up these objectives and then I like to go back to the book. So I am a book girl. I can find anything in a book. <laughs> um, read your book. I don't know why that's so crazy. I know we, we're taking so many classes and guys, I so wish that I could just plug a USB into my head and update my brain with all of this information, but yeah. Mm -mm. <laughs> So we're going to go into RAM types. Um, for a lot of people who don't know what RAM is, RAM is our memory. Okay. Or that. Okay. Um, so this is the lesson on this RAM types. We got several different RAM types. What is this thing doing? Okay, lesson three is installing, configuring, and troubleshooting storage devices. So in this lesson, you will install system memory, install and configure mass storage device devices, and install and configure removable storage devices, configure your RAID, and troubleshoot storage device issues. Um, I really love these little exam objectives covered. <laughs> it's like a given scenario. Just as some people say, you can never be too rich. You can never have too much too much memory. Adding memory is one of the simplest and most cost-effective ways to increase a computer's performance, whether it is on a brand new system loaded with high-performance applications or an older system that performs a few basic tasks. 
You really have to enunciate that. Okay, system memory is the main storage area for programs and data when the computer is running. System memory is a type of volatile memory called random access memory, your RAM. System memory is necessary because it is much faster than accessing data in a mass storage system, such as a hard disk. System memory provides a fast storage medium for the operating system and applications, but is volatile, meaning that the data cannot be stored without a power supply. And they got a really nice figure here. Um, yeah, read the book, it's wonderful. Um, a large quantity of system memory is essential for running a PC. It determines its ability to work with the multiple applications at the same time and larger files. Each new generation of software tends to make up more memory space. If there is not enough system RAM, the memory space can be extended by using disk space, virtual memory. But as noted previously, accessing the disk is very slow compared to accessing RAM. And each page on the CompTIA website, you're going to just rate your confidence um, and just be honest about that. You know, you don't have to be, you don't have to fully understand every single slide. I mean, I get it though. I, I know, <laughs> you know, at first it's so funny. I, I had this conversation. I was like, do you think if we rate it medium, they're going to ask us more questions on this cert about that? Okay, they're not going to do that. But yeah, I did think that for a minute. Um, so just rate it, be honest, because if there's something that you need to work on, um, you know, really take the time to do that. Nobody is judging you. Nobody can see this but you. So yeah, do you, whatever works for you. So RAM types, several different RAM technologies have been used for system memory in PCs over the years. You got your dynamic RAM, your DRAM. Um, it stores each data bit as an electrical charge within a single bit cell. A bit cell consists of a capacitor to hold a charge. The cell represents one if there is a charge and zero if there is not. And a gosh, it's so small. I'm so blind. And a trans transistor to read the contents of a capacitor. The electrical charge gradually dissipates, causing the memory cell to lose its information. In order to preserve the information, dynamic memory has to be refreshed periodically by accessing each bit cell at regular intervals. The, ref the refresh cycles slow down the operation of the DRAM, but it supports high densities, more MB per memory module, and is relatively low cost. Many types of DRAM have been developed and become obsolete. In the mid-1990s, variants of SDRAM were used for system memory. SDRAM is so-called because it is synchronized to the system clock. It has a 64-bit data bus. Consequ consequently, if the bus is running at 66 megahertz, the bandwidth available to the SDRAM memory controller is 66.6 .6, or 4,266 megabytes per second. Dividing by eight gives the bandwidth in megabytes per second, 533 megabits per second. So give me one second. Okay, exam CompTIA. I have no idea why my pop-up blocker is being like this, but we are going to continue. So that is where I kind of like to go back to these questions and see, you know, really what they're going to be asking. It's very important to know 
what you're going to be testing on. Um, and there is just so much information out there. I mean, the CompTIA website is great. I just feel like there's a lot of information that you're not going to need. But when it comes to DDR and SDRAM, you're going to need to know that. So your double data rate, while that's pulling up the exam CompTIA.com website, um, I'm going to finish going through this slide. It's not a slide. I don't like the slides. <laughs> Let's just be honest. <laughs> um, I really am not a fan of them. God, will you please stop going through the slides? You're dry it drives me nuts. Um, you can tell me stuff all day, but I really need to connect with the stuff and I need to build this story. So that's where the book comes in for me. That's what works for me. If slides work for you, do your slides. <laughs> they don't work for me. <laughs> the double data rate, the SDRAM and the DDR SDRAM is an updated type of SDRAM released to market in 2001, where data is transferred twice in one cycle, double pumped. There are, well, that sounds like double pumped, all right. There are four DDR standards matching different system clock speeds. So your RAM types, there's a nice figure here. I'm not gonna list out every single one of those, but I would suggest that you probably look at it. I'm going to just highlight it and see what I can do with it to see. Yeah, no, I can't do that. Uh, just look up um, RAM type figure. It should show you everything. It's like your DDR200, um, PC16, uh, and it goes down from there. And it just gives you the memory clock, your megahertz, bus clock, data rate, transfer rate, all that goodness. So the SDRAM is referred to by the bus clock speed. PC100, PC133, and so forth. DDR chips are labeled using the maximum theoretical bandwidth, PC1600, and PC2100, and so on, so on, so on. Largely for marketing reasons, for example, consider DDR200 PC1600 memory, <laughs> the internal memory clock speed, and the input-output bus speed are both 100 megahertz. The data rate is double this, as there are two operations per clock tick. This is expressed in units called mega transfers per second. This gives the DDR200 designation. The peak transfer rate is 1600 megabits per second. This gives the PC1600 designation. Two, I was going to tell you the formula. It's 200 MTS by eight bytes per transfer. 1600 megabytes is equivalent to 1.6 gigabytes. Note that the peak transfer rate does not represent real world performance. It is a maximum theoretical rate. Let's see. <clears throat> Let me just get a little swig of this nice Izzy. I don't know if you guys drink Izzy or not. Y'all should, it's so good. Mm. DDR, DDR2, DDR3, DDR4, SD RAM. Yes, I am clapping. DDR has been superseded by DDR2 from 2003, DDR3 from 2007, and DDR4 from 2014. SD RAM, these increase bandwidth by multiplying the bus speed, as opposed to the speed at which the actual memory chips work. This produces scalable speed improvements without making the chips too unreliable or too hot. The drawback is increased latency as data takes longer to access on each chip. So there's another figure. I cannot share that one with you guys. I wish I could, but look it up. It's your RAM types. It just says DDR2, DDR3, and 4. It shows your memory clock, your megahertz, your bus clock, your data rate, your transfer rate. All of these things are really good to know. The following represents specific examples of your DDR standards. I'm not going to go into that. Um, 
we can hit that up another day. Okay, our memory modules. So I'm taking apart my computer. I am actually looking at the guts of my beautiful four-year companion, RIP. Um, <laughs> I had actually never held a motherboard in my hand before. There's something so weird about it. like that guy who's the who's the what is it? Uh, the samurai? Not samurai. It's not a samurai. It's a ninja. There you go. And he like rips the heart out of the guy from. Uh, uh, dumb and dumber that's totally what it felt like when i was holding the motherboard i was like yeah but it was just really cool to look at um <laughs> anyways i messed it up pretty bad but this is not about the motherboard this is about dual inline memory modules <laughs> so a ram module or memory module is a printed circuit board that holds a group of memory chips that act as a single unit your memory modules reside in slots on the motherboard and they are removable and replaceable. Memory modules are defined by their design and by the number and type of chips they contain. So your dual inline memory modules, your DDR for desktop system memory is packaged in a 184 pin dual inline memory module, your DIMMS. <laughs> the notches, keys on the module, prevent it from being inserted into a slot the wrong way. So what does that mean? I'm actually going to grab it because you really can't, you really can mess this up, but you really can't. Okay. Cause they're not going to go in if, if you're, I'm just going to set my old, my beautiful laptop. Um, so it's my nice HP i5 processor. It's dead now. <laughs> so I actually have it here. Um, yeah. So the way these look, they're they're about from my middle finger to like the palm of my hand. They're square. They have um, one. How do you explain this? I mean, yeah, anyways, you're just going to slide them in very gently. And they just like you can just unclick and they pop up. It's a it's, you got to be careful, but it's very easy to get them out and in. Um, I mean, unless you're just really shoving it in there, um, you should be fine. Uh, also, Professor Messer will show you how to do that. He actually made a video about it, and I really like that one. Um, I don't know why, but he's kind of my go-to lately. Okay. Let me get back in my seat here. Okay. It's like I live at a computer, like at a desk lately. Woo. Okay. Your memory slots look, look similar to expansion slots, but with catches on each end to secure the memory modules. So there you go. Just be gentle. Work it out slowly. <laughs> the DDR2 and the DDR3 are both packaged in 240-pin DIMMS, but are not compatible. The modules and slots are keyed differently to prevent a module from being inserted into an incompatible slot. So faster modules typically feature heat sinks due to higher clock speeds. DDR4, DIMMS have 288 pins. The modules are the same size as previous standards, but the pins more closely spaced. Again, the key position prevents a DDR4 module from being inserted into an incompatible DDR3 or a DDR2 motherboard slot. A DDR4 works at 1.2 volts, making it more power efficient than previous standards. So then it gives you your RAM type, and then it says pins, and it says voltage. Um, this one's not too bad. I guess I'll do this one. So RAM type, DDR, pins, 184. Uh, voltage, 2.5 to 2.6 volts. Then you got DDR2, 240 pins, and 1.8 to 1.9 volts. 
You got your DDR3, 240 pins, 1.35 to 1.5 volts. Then we got our DDR4, that's 288 pins at 1.2 volts. What is this? I have no idea. What in the gods? Hi. <laughs> um, okay. Hello. Okay, so I'm just going to keep on going. So anyways, um, if you guys have any questions, please drop them by. Um, like I mentioned in the beginning of this, I am just studying out loud and feel free to participate. Yes, I am a girl. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. I don't know how this works, but BG. Okay, let's go. Connect. Connect. Who are you? Hello. Hello. Hi, is this Micah? No. Do I know you? No, no, it's some someone else. Oh. I just uh, oh. I just have a question for about uh. Comtia. Um, Comtia. Uh, a question about a CPU a machine. Okay, let's hear it. I'll try to help you as best I can. Um, I'm so confused. Uh, what can I choose? I buy, I, I buy uh, two a different type of uh, graphic, uh, graphic card, and uh, it's little similar uh the one that i the first time to uh, buy from the shop and i buy uh, i buy another uh, graphic card from my friend and my friend is also uh, have a computer service in her home and mm -hmm. i'm so confused okay. about this graphic card okay uh, what the question is what the difference of uh graphic nvidia uh, 1,020 GTX with a uh, 1,060 GTX. What's the difference? Are so more? No, that's a great or... question. Yeah, let me. You know, I'm gonna just revert right back to CompTIA for this. Um, let me go to the yeah. graphic cards uh, for you, and I can. You know, this is actually a good question because I need to learn more about my graphics cards. There's a lot of questions about um, this on the cert. Are you sitting for the cert? The certificate. Uh, excuse me. Well, um, the CompTIA uh, uh, cert one thousand one. I just, I just. The information is from my friend, but. My friend is talk to me. The type mm -hmm. it's not uh, different too much. Oh, I it's gotcha. a, it's okay. a little similar to uh, to work with some hard game or hard software. But I'm yeah yeah I'm okay. not yet yeah. to check that that uh, that graphic card before. Okay. Yeah. No, it's a really good question. And so I'm trying to really understand yeah. it. Um, so I actually do a virtual lab on installing graphics adapters, but I haven't really spent a lot of time with um, graphics cards. 
So um, I think I would say, let me see what I can find. Uh, graphics card, it's, and it's about the speed of the graphics card, or I mean, it's about the speed of the, you're trying to get, a the, or you're trying to install it. The, the smooth off uh, some playing with the hard game or some like uh if if i talk uh, another topic with another game it's mean like i i talk about the software of editor video like adobe adobe premiere uh, so what type that uh can running so smoothly with with uh, adobe premiere the the new the newer of adobe premiere pro so the crappy card with uh 1020 gtx or 1060 gtx i'm so confused but my friend top it's this this uh, crappy card is similar it's been uh, not so different uh, effect okay so is it an amd raiden uh, graphics card by chance yes mm, okay uh is it, you know, I really, I don't know. <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I wish I could help you. I'm, Just, yeah, no, it's a great question. I, I have, you know, I really good. don't know because there's so much with graphic cards. Um, there's, uh, you got two uh, things. I have a question. Sure. What that, uh, graphic card that you use? You use? Um, the graphics card that I use is an AMD Radeon. So oh. the RX 570. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not too I, bad. Uh, but I don't really, I don't game as much as I used to. I have like, yeah, you know, yeah. I got my my little HP up here. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I used to play, um, you know, like Botnet, World of Warcraft, RuneScape, all that fun stuff. But now I'm just, you know, I'm just like a study or go to work person. I don't get to play it as much as I used to. What do you what do you game what are you gaming? Um, what you the I uh that always I'm playing is GTA five. Okay. Uh, okay. and Resident Evil to remaster a uh, remake. And oh we is that is are you enjoying that? Yeah, I'm enjoying, but sometimes is uh the frame is dropped, like the frame uh, drops. Wait, I actually yes. heard that before. Um, I don't is, know. Have you tried but Packet Tracer? Just, have you downloaded Packet movie. Tracer and tried just? Well, I guess Packet Tracer wouldn't help you out. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, you 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 use the Radian, right? Yeah, it works great. I mean, but it's it's older. It's the older one. So, well, uh, what do you think about uh the uh graphic card? A great uh, you uh, the graphic card is the best Nvidia or Radeon. What mm -hmm. do you think? 
I think they're both really good depending on what you're doing, but I just like Radian. That's just me. Oh. I don't know. It's my yeah. brother always my brother's always been a gamer, so that's what he's always used. Um I just like AMD. But that's that's me. I mean, it's whatever works, whatever you need it to do. Um everybody's different. So yeah. But a great question. Is there anything else that I could answer for you? What your passion with the what the uh system of the computer? Like you are a gamer or I used editor? to be, actually I'm an IT student right now. I'm studying to be a ne a network administrator. Well, the, oh, the dream is penetration tester, right? <laughs> like, if I could just live my life playing Hack the Box, I'd probably be super happy about that, but it doesn't pay the bills. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I like to, uh, yeah, I started IT about six weeks ago, so I'm fairly new. What about you? Oh. What's your interest? Um, I like IT. How many times I... Maybe uh, five years ago, oh, I wow. like IT because actually I'm in my uh, childhood. I always play with uh, some a uh, classic game like uh, console of uh, PlayStation Two, and from that thing I. I began to like some uh, PC game, a computer game like uh, GTA 5 uh, PC version and some other game that the PC version. And that time, I began to learn about the machine of the computer. Oh, and nice. Are you yeah, working on the machine? What, what operating system like, are you working off of? What? What operating system are you working off of? Yes, yes. No, I mean, are you working off of Linux? Are you working off of Windows? What's your What's your Zing? Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I use a Windows Windows Ten. It's been okay. a Windows from okay. the first time I, uh, but, uh, before I. I uh even use um a book from my friend but just uh, several time not just several time not not every time but every time i use a uh, windows system but it's not uh different it's not different yeah but if you yeah, yeah. but no, if I you upgrade it, i'm learning linux right now and i'm just like ugh. It's, it's like a whole different command log for me. So um, uh, I was introduced to Linux about um, last week. <laughs> so I'm learning yeah. how to uh, work the commands. There's so many tools in Kali Linux. Have you seen yeah. all of, Oh, it's insane. It's so amazing. But I just started reading yeah. the manual last yeah. night. <laughs> I was like, maybe yeah. this will help. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, are you uh, the CompTIA exam certificate for 1001 or are you already certified um are you in IT uh no I just you should think about uh, it it's not like you really get a knack for it <laughs> yeah but actually I like uh, IT because yeah my my passion 
my passion uh, in my IT and actually yeah, I'm not a lot of patients a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Especially <laughs> if you're working cryptology, it's just like that is whoo, that is something else. Have you tried any hack yeah. box challenges or are you into anything like that? Yeah, actually sometimes I like that. <laughs> nice. I actually um just got on the uh i killed the uh cube challenge today it was like 60 points i was so excited i was like yes oh. um but yeah thank you so much for your question um this is just a study group i'm just reading off of the 1001 notes i'm just an it student um i'm trying to sit for the certs in the courses that i'm going to but if you're interested in it you should totally go by leader quest uh find one that's near you and take some of their courses and get your certs. Um, you know, you can really make good money in the IT field. And it sounds like you're bilingual, which is even better. <laughs> yeah, I'm <laughs> a little, yeah. little yeah. not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is there anything uh, else I can help you with? Are you good? Um, what do you use uh, now? The system of the computer, like the yours, operating or? system. Yes. Yeah. Like Windows. Um, or? Yeah. I like Windows and I like Linux. I'm learning to like Linux. I like Linux. Oh. What that did you fear on Windows and Linux? I really love. Oh. Increasing speed and architectural improvements of the CPU technologies led to memory becoming a bottleneck to system performance. Now, you will hear more about bottlenecks in Network and Security Plus. <laughs> um, to address this, Intel and AMD developed a dual-channel memory architecture for DDRX RAM and dual-channel was originally used primarily on server level hardware, but is commonly being employed on desktop systems and laptops too. The single channel memory means that there is one 64-bit bus between the CPU and RAM. Um, yeah, totally. Hey, Brandon, I'm so excited for you. You're sitting for CND this week. 
So great to hear from you. Good luck on your test. You are going to rock it. And then you're going to come back and tell me like how it was so that I can rock it too. <laughs> um, yeah, we should definitely get together for studying. Um, I'm trying to catch up with all my with all my videos for my podcast because I'm running behind because you know how it goes when you're in certified network defender class. It is just like, woo, a lot of information. Okay. All right. I have a weird connection. Here we go. Um, um, Bill Gray. That is my hack box. There you go. I know what you're thinking. Why would she put her first initial and her last name? Listen, I've tried changing it. Um, you can go on there and follow me on hack the box. It's a lot of fun. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So going back to our wonderful single channel memories, um, Brandon, have you sent something back? I didn't see it. I don't know. It had, oh, hi, how are you? Okay. So going back to our single channel memory means that there is one 64 bit bus between the CPU and RAM with a dual channel memory. Oh, wait, let me pause real quick. Um, yeah. Brandon's actually setting for certified network defender. I don't know if you taught him or not, but anyways, Good luck, Brandon. Um, anyway, so we got the single channel memory means that there is one 64-bit bus between the CPU and RAM. With a dual channel memory controller, there can effectively be two pathways through the bus to the CPU, meaning that 128 bits of data can be transferred per transaction rather than 64 bits. In fact, in most configurations, they continue to operate as two independent 64-bit pathways, but this still increases this still increases the bandwidth available. Ordinary RAM modules are used. That is, there are no dual channel DDR memory modules. So here's a nice little note. The DDRX memory is sold in kits for dual channel applications, but there is nothing special about the modules themselves other than being identical. <laughs> so yeah, and that goes back to getting your hands dirty, put them inside of the, mo you know, as many computers as you can. I am just looking at my broken computer right now and it is very sad. So <laughs> when you take them apart, make sure you can put them back together. That's not why my name go back together. I was, like I said, motherboard came out, you know, dumb and dumber from that movie where they ripped the heart out the chest. Yeah. So that's what it felt like. And it just, it was fried. So yeah. For example, a dual channel motherboard might have four DIMM slots arranged in color-coded pairs. Each pair represents one channel. Each slot represents one of the two sockets in each channel. And there's a nice little figure here. You might be able to Google it. Figure motherboard DIMM DIMM slots dual channel slots one and three. So if you don't, if you Google that, um. I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll show up. So the memory modules installed should be identical in terms of speed and capacity. If only two slots are used to enable dual channel, the modules must be installed in socket one of each channel. You will need to consult the system documentation carefully to identify the appropriate slots to use. For motherboards supporting Intel CPUs and some AMD CPUs, the first sockets in both channels are slots one and three for most Wait a second, let me. 
Oh, there you are. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, aren't you? I think you're sitting Tuesday, right? Okay. Yeah. So I wish that you guys, did you hear that guy's question about the, um, uh, the graphics card? I need to help on that one. That was a tough one. Um, he kind of had a thick accent. I was really trying to answer him. Um, it was about his graphics cards and I just don't have a lot of experience with graphics cards. So, um, I'm not really sure he phrased it weird. So the question was, um, what type of graphics card would you, would you use if his issue was just his uh, frames kept getting dropped while he was um, playing? And he was asking why and what type of graphics card I used. Why would your frames drop? Yeah, of course. We got a guest and we got the call in. It's the hotline. <laughs> Go ahead and guess and call ins. You're right there. Go for it. Um, I don't know how you do it. I'm really new to new to Podbean. I'm on iTunes, so this is a new feature. This is this is new to me. So I believe you go to the right side of the screen. That's what I can see. Or you click it on the left. Oh wait, you've got it. Hey. Hi. Hello. This is uh, Chad Luddington calling out of uh, calling out of London, England. Um, actually, the, the question that he was phrasing was he was playing video games and he was losing frames or dropping frames. Right. Uh, when you're playing. Right. Uh, typically, that is a problem if he has his settings uh, too high for whatever card or uh, for whatever game he's playing. I would have asked him what kind of game he was playing and basically how much RAM was on his uh, actual card. There is a problem with tearing and uh, tearing and crimping on uh, on uh, frames when you're playing really high on demand graphics uh, with cards. But typically, that is going to be a problem with uh, either. One, he's overheating, or he has not enough resources to play the game he's playing. A lot of first-person shooters actually require a lot of RAM, 8 to 16 gigs of RAM. And additionally, on top of that, probably five, uh, 4 to 6 gigs of RAM uh, to play it in the best quality setting. So my recommendation to him, was depending on what his hardware was, is to lower his uh, actual uh, quality settings. Oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, I was I was lost because I don't have a lot of experience with graphics cards. So, yeah. Okay. Well, that's great. I think he's actually still. Well, he was on here. Is the beat yet stronger media? Um, well, thanks for answering that. Yeah. Um, he wanted to know which type of graphics card is the best for gamers who play three, two to three games at a time. What's your opinion? Wait, two to three games at a time at the same time? Yeah, he mentioned that. At the same time, like if, if you're running a botting kind of operation, uh, that would be extremely, uh, extremely taxing on extremely task taxing on the GPU itself. Uh, anything in the lines of GTX, uh, just the GTX line of cards, either the, the 1060 or the 2060 uh, line cards uh, from uh, NVIDIA should uh, should be there. But depending on how uh, how demanding these games are. Two to three games at a time probably is not possible, but I personally have ran multiple MMORPGs in the same box uh, with multiple instances at least two uh, with a uh, NVIDIA 10, no, NVIDIA 560 Ti in the past. And that was like, uh, that's probably, that card is probably about uh, more than 10 years old by now. 
Uh, but it really depends on the quality of your card with multiple cores. Really yeah, I think, I think the question he had was like, well, no, that's exactly what he asked. But he was talking about radon, AMD radon. I told him that's what I liked. And then he said a different type of graphics card. I can't remember. Um, I actually like the I like the GTX branded cards because they are actually um, you could they're more multi-purpose uh, because mm -hmm. they do have a CUDA framework that you can actually use in multi multi multi-purpose use for basically uh, cracking um, cracking passwords and hashes and more utilitarian in general. Uh, generally speaking, uh, a lot of people were hoarding these cards a couple of years ago uh, when the the big um, I guess you can say Bitcoin bubble hit. A lot of these cards from Nvidia were actually uh, bought out in the stores locations because people were uh, using them in parallel and in tandem uh, for these Bitcoin mining operations. So uh, yeah, those cards are, yeah, I am a big fan of the NVIDIA, NVIDIA GTX series because of that. Sweet, yeah, I had I wasn't sure about that. Um, have you sat for the 1001 CompTIA certificate? The 1001? Uh, I know. Which one is that? It's one of the first ones in the in the program right after ITIL Foundations. So I started this podcast uh, to kind of do like a, it's like a study tool for me. Um, and a lot of my friends in class were studying 1001. And I've kind of moved on from there, but I wanted to finish the 1001 um, podcast. And I was pretty sure that you had sat for it. So if you had any pointers and wanted to give it to us, we'd be willing. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am not your traditional or classical, uh, classically trained uh, individual with hardware. Uh, I'm all actually self-taught with hardware. Most of my expertise is with uh, uh, networking uh, in general. Yeah, again, hard yes. to, it's hard to get. Uh, it's hard to sit for those classes here in London, England. Yeah. <laughs> Chad, what in frames you do to a connection error? It could be due to the connection error. Most games these days, if you're asking about a online played game, or are you talking about if you're talking about something that's a first-person shooter that's just rendered on the device itself, you could be losing frames because of because of that. But that's more associated with latency, as in the position of your character versus where uh, where it's actually being placed on the world server would be the reason why you would be dropping frames. But what he's saying, what he's saying, he's dropping frames. Um, if it's dealing with uh, the card or actually a graphical scene, it could be either. I mean, like it, right now, the way how the question was phrased, it could be either, but the, the context clues that I have is leading towards the quality of the card itself rather than the, his connection. Because most people, most of the time, most people have you know, pretty stable connections if they're in you know, uh, rather established areas. Yeah, yeah, he was, that was a complicated question. Um, I hope that answers his. And yeah, so this is, yeah, if there's anything else you'd like to add, that would be great. Nope, that's all I got. Um, I'm, You're the I'm, best I'm, very, I'm very new to this hardware stuff. Very shy as yeah. well, so I'm going to put myself in you. Oh, no, no, don't be. It's super easy. You just have to tear apart as many computers as you can. That's what I'm looking at right now. <laughs> Anyways, thank you so much. I don't know. I'm like, how do I do this? <laughs> Wait a second. Udemy course on sell, by the way. Really? Cool. Hang on. Boom. Did I do it? Oh, I did it. Okay. Hell yeah. Thanks, Brandon. Okay. 
So to get through with this little slide, well, it's not a slide. Remember, guys, I hate slides. So adding an odd number of modules or adding mismatched DIMMS will cause the system to operate in single channel mode. Dual channel mode may also need to be enabled via the PC firmware system setup program. Some of the Intel CPU and supporting chipsets have triple or quadruple quadruple channel memory controllers. AMD is starting to release quadruple channel controllers, too. In these architectures, if the full complement of modules is not installed, the system will revert to dual or single channel operation. So that's our dual channel memory module. Remember, rate your confidence. Rate your confidence and be honest. <laughs> Motherboards use, used, used to use a simple error detection method called parity check, checking. Each byte of data in memory is accompanied by a ninth bit. This bit is set to one or zero to make the total number of bits set to one in the byte and an odd or even number. Depending on the type of parity checking for being performed, when the byte is read, its par parity is checked to ensure that the parity value is still odd or even. If this is not the case, a bit must have become corrupted. System memory for most desktops is non-parity. That is, it does not perform error checking except for the startup memory count. For systems that require a high level of reliability, such as workstations and servers, error checking and correcting ECC, memory is available. ECC memory is enhanced parity circuitry that can detect internal data errors and make corrections. All right, cool. So let's go into the studying part. I am done reading. Whoa, all this talking really just knocks you out. So there's a couple videos, like I said, guys, check out Professor Messer's videos. Um, they go by the objectives. Uh, I put the link up there for you. I hope that helps. Um, that's awesome. I've never used you, Jimmy. I'm going to have to check that out. I actually just signed up for the UNF one where you go and uh, <laughs> it's like $12 a cert and you learn Python. So I was like, hey, why not? Um, yeah, check out stuff like that. It's a lot of, you know, anytime you can get time. Uh, to get a cert that's not over $100, go for it. Uh, practices. All right, wait, we just did lesson three. All right, so for systems that require a high level of reliability, what memory feature is available? Is it going to be A, ECC, B, DIMM? or C, parity checking, or D, DDR3. What do you guys think? For systems that require a high level of reliability, what memory feature is available? <laughs> I can box practice. I'm not, I'm not even that good at it. I just, I'm trying to be good at it. Um, it drives me insane. Holy mother, 56 lectures for NMAP. Isn't that a bit much? I guess it's never a bit much for NMAP. Have you checked it out yet? Have you audited it or anything? That's a, that's a long one. Mm, okay. 
So the for systems that require high level of reliability, the memory featured is the ECC. So what is the ECC? It's an error checking and correcting. Memory is available for systems that need a high level of reliability. It detects and corrects single bit errors and detects two, three, or four bit errors, sending a warning rather than correcting the errors. So remember, we had four choices there. The best way to eliminate your choices is to know what they are. So what is a DIM? a dual inline memory module, remember we went over that. It has a certain number of pins and notches that line up to the motherboard to prevent the memory module from being inserted incorrectly. So that couldn't have been the answer. Then you got your, your parity checking. It used to be done by motherboards as a simple means of error checking. System memory for most desktops is non-parity. However, for servers, ECC is available. So that couldn't have been it either. The DDR3 is an updated type of uh, dynamic random access memory. This is not a feature of memory, rather it is a type of memory. So the only answer that made sense logically is the error checking and correcting memory. Hang in there guys, we only got nine more. You need to increase the amount of random access memory in a desktop computer. Which of the following do you need to consider? So you need to increase the amount of random access memory in a desktop computer. Which of the following do you need to consider? So we're going to select all that apply. Do we need the ECC or non-parity? Do we need DIMM format, motherboard speed, or the size of the HDD? Do, 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 do. All right. So we are actually going to need all of the first three. To increase the amount of random access memory in a desktop computer, we're going to need ECC or non-parity. We're going to need DIMM format and motherboard speed. So. Make sure that you select all. And when you have these questions and it says select all that apply, I cannot tell you how many times I have got, gone on these assessments and I forgot to select all that apply. <laughs> I just select one. Make sure you read the question. Really read it and take your time with it. Um, the motherboard speed. So we got all three of those. We got our error checking and correcting memory. Um, we got our dual inline memory modules. We got um, same speed as the motherboard. Boom. That is how you increase the amount of random access memory in a desktop computer. Well, that's what you consider. <laughs> Am I missing a really awesome conversation here? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. 52 lectures. Ooh, I would die. Me and Linux are trying to get to know each other. <laughs> a user needs to upgrade random access memory and is looking for a double data rate three, a DDR3 RAM. What is the pin count and voltage of this type of RAM? Remember what we talked about in the beginning of lesson three. Um, so it's actually gonna be the 240 pins. It's gonna be the 1.35 to 1.5 volt. So we're gonna select C. It didn't ask for all that applied. Just remember, read the question. So the reason that it is C is because, why is it? Okay, because DDR3, remember, because it asks for a double data rate, 3 DDR3 RAM, has 240 pins but works between 1.35 and 1.5 volts. Although they have the same pin count, DDR2 and DDR3 dual inline memory modules are not compatible. Not compatible. The modules and slots are keyed differently to prevent a module from being inserted into an incompatible slot. So that 
is the reason why. So a user needs to upgrade random access memory and is looking for a double data rate three DDR3 RAM. What is the pin count and voltage of this type of RAM? It is C, 240, 240 pins, 1.35 to 1.5 volts. And also rate your confidence level. If you felt like you did, like you knew that one, hit high, medium or low. Uh, difficulty level was easy on that one. <laughs> Oh, which of the following is the current standard for connecting internal mass storage devices to a PC motherboard? SATA, PCIe, PATA, SCSI. Um, go ahead and select it. It was your SATA. So why though? Which of the following is the current standard for connecting internal mass storage devices to a PC motherboard? I just know a lot about SATA drives, but here we go. Serial advanced technology attachment is the current standard means of attaching internal drives to a computer. The SATA cables are terminated with a seven pin connector. So there you go. It's going to be A. Rate your confidence. The company you work for allows users to request an additional solid state drive, SSD, by submitting a help desk ticket. Wow. Occasionally, after receiving the upgraded computer, a user will report that they are unable to see the new drive. What has the technician likely forgotten to do in these instances? So the first option is install the device driver, <laughs> which is pretty much, yeah. Um, did he connect the cable to the motherboard? Did he create a volume on the drive? Did he need to restart the computer? What do you guys think it is? I'm going to go with the company you work for allows users to request an additional solid state drive. By submitting a help desk ticket, occasionally after receiving the upgraded computer, a user will report that they are unable to see the new drive. What has the technician likely forgotten to do in these instances? Okay, so the answer is going to be create a volume on the drive. So partitioning the new drive and disk management on a Windows machine is not complicated. But it is an easy step to forget. You know, I was in class actually when this conversation came up. Um, in my hands right now, you can't see it, but this is my all in all book. I have this little book. I know it's so old school, but sometimes I like to write in that type. Um, this is my book. It's like a checklist. You know, doctors have checklists, um, pilots have checklists. Have a checklist when, like, for each function that you're gonna do. Um, for each thing that I learned, I have like a checklist of things that I need to check before, you know, it's completely done. Uh, so this is one of those things that I I wrote down as one of the steps that I need to check before I submit. Um, because the worst thing, you know, is when people call back and they're like, oh, it wasn't installed correctly, you know, come back. And it's like, oh, come on, Karen. <laughs> Anyways, so the technician can right-click the unallocated space and select new simple volume to start the wizard. So these simple steps, we're just overthinkers. So the answer in that one was create a volume on the drive. So a user at your company needs to be able to store a copy of monthly files in a fireproof safe for compliance purposes. The files are not large, only amounting to about 300 megabytes each month. Which optical media is best suited for this purpose? Is it going to be A, CDR, B, DVD, C, Blu-ray disc, or D, CDRW? It is going to be CDRs. That is a read-only compact disc, and they are removable media type with a standard capacity of 700 megabytes. Remember, we needed 300, so yeah, well, it was 300 each month, so whew. Special archive archive CDs are available and do not deteriorate as fast as normal CDs. 
These would be the best for storing the monthly data. So there you go, CDRs, read-only compact disk. A user reports hearing a clicking sound and received an error message when saving a file. What actions do you take? Select all that apply. <laughs> Don't forget to select all that apply. So will we run the check disk F program? Mm, no, we wouldn't do that because the check disk slash, I mean, for slash F program will fix the file system, but will not identify any bad sectors. Um, would we run the boot rag forward slash fix MBR program? Probably not. That is attempt to fix a broken master boot record. So that's crazy. Knock those two off the list. Perform a smart, an SMART check. Now that sounds more like it. A self-monitoring analyst and reporting technology. Check is a good way to perform an advanced diagnostics check on the drive. So then we also had the last option of replace the disk. Replace the disk as soon as possible to avoid losing any data. The signs are clear that the disk is failing. Clicking sounds and error messages when saving a file. So those are our two answers. All right, guys, we only got three more and then we're done. Woo, I am so tired. Wow, 11.27. Yes, precisely. A user calls to report a computer is failing to boot. Upon inspection of the computer, you notice that there is a universal serial bus, USB, thumb drive attached to the laptop. You suspect this may be the cause of the issue. What can you do to test this theory and then solve the problem? Select all that apply. <laughs> I say it annoying like that because I literally miss some of these because I don't read them all the way through. I don't know if you're like me. I'm always just kind of browsing through. So for this particular instance, I would probably remove the USB and attempt to boot the computer and then go right in to check the device boot order in the BIOS. Um, that's just what I would do. And so let's go ahead and see what they think about that. And boom, baby, we are correct. That's the way you do it. That's the way we do it. So to test the theory, remove the USB and reboot the computer. This may confirm that the device boot order has been configured to boot from USB first. Then to solve the problem so it does not happen again, check the device boot order in the BIOS and change if necessary. So we're on question nine now. You set up a redundant array of independent disk arrayed. Level one on a system to mirror the hard disk. After rebooting the system, you receive an error and find that a disk has failed. I don't know why I said that's so annoying. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me start that one over. You set up a redundant array of independent disk arrayed. Level one on a system to mirror the hard disk. After rebooting the system, you receive an error and find that a disk has failed. What action do you take? Do you A, back up the data on the active disk, replace the failed disk, or use third-party software to recover data from the active disk, or no action is needed? So obviously action is needed, so D is retarded, knock that out. Use third-party software to recover data from an active disk? Absolutely not. That is, no. There's no need to recover data that way. Um, back up the data on an active disk? You should always back up the data, but we're at this step. You should have already done that. So I'm just going to go with replace the failed disk, and let's see what they think. CompTIA says we are winners. Replace the failed disk as soon as possible. Most desktop RAID solutions can only tolerate one failed disk. And our last question of the night. Thank you so much for handling me, guys. A user is unable to read a disk from the compact disk drive. Which of the following actions can you take when troubleshooting the optical drive? Replace the disk. Hey, yeah. Well, thank you, Chad. Chad Luckington. Luckington. <laughs> okay, yes, precisely. Um, which of the following actions can you take? We already did. Oh, here we go. <clears throat> so on this test, I noticed there was a lot of printer questions. Oh, God bless us. 
there are, they're not really that complicated, but for some reason, the way CompTIA words it, it just drives me insane. Um, first, you have to figure out what they're asking you, and then you have to figure out which situation you're in. So make sure to thoroughly read these through. But this one's not too bad, and this isn't really too much into um, the printer section, but I just wanted to mention that printers were kind of a big deal on this test. Um, but here we go. A user is unable to read a disk from the compact disk drive. Which of the following actions can you take when troubleshooting the optical drive? So remember back in when we were talking about lesson three, um, we didn't really finish reading this part because that lesson is very long and I'm tired. So <laughs> we're going to go. There's four options here. Remember, the user is unable to read a disk from the compact disk drive. Which of the following actions are we supposed to take for the troubleshooting of the optical drive? Should we A, clean the laser head? The lizard head. There you go. Clean the lizard head. <laughs> the laser head. Should we B, defragment the hard drive? Why would we do that? <laughs> C, ensure the proper codecs are installed. We would not do that. D, run the check disk forward slash R program. So <laughs> that will not fix the CD drive. That's preposterous. Um, so defragmenting the hard drive will not fix an optical drive, guys. No way. There is no need to make sure the proper codecs are installed when troubleshooting a CD drive since Windows has built-in CD support. So no way, Jose. We are going to go straight into cleaning the laser head. Oh, yeah. We're awesome. Hey, guys. We made 100. Woohoo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty old school. That reminds me of Mortal Kombat. I used to have a Nintendo 64. And we used to have to blow on the Mortal Kombat when we overplayed because it heated up. <laughs> and then cheat codes was invented. And you know what? I think I'm so old school, in fact. Does anybody remember Adult Swim? Oh, my God. There was, like, this these late series, like, at night, like, Trigun and Cowboy Bebop and Dragon Ball Z would come on. And, <laughs> yeah, good one. <laughs> Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, it was just, those are so old school. It's crazy. Um, so yeah, remember, it's very important to take your time with this. Don't rush yourself and definitely check out the Game Center. So the Game Center on CompTIA is phenomenal. I have so much fun playing Card Picker and Card Hunter. <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I tried to say that with a straight face. I really hate Card Hunter, but I really like Card Coupler. <laughs> so CompTIA has a series of five games that you can play to really sharpen your skills. And I really think that they're terrific, except for Card Hunter. And you should check out Card Coupler. But anyways, um, thank you so much for tuning in to my show. Um, this is my first live podcast. So thanks for being patient. It was so wonderful hearing from all of you. And I hope that you have a wonderful night and get a lot of rest and get ready to wake up in the morning and kick ass. So um, good night, guys. <laughs>